Welcome to the Achilles Hypnosis Podcast, episode number six, Jenny Lynn McKinnon, MS, and infertility. So today I have a special treat for you. I have an interview with Jenny Lynn McKinnon, certified hypnotherapist. So Jenny Lynn McKinnon was born in Menden, Utah, a seventh of nine children. This gave her a strong foundation based on hard work, forgiveness, and love. Her mother was a saint and was always taking care of the less fortunate and welcoming them into their home. This gave her an example to lead and be serve and be an example to help people. She was fascinated with the healing capacities of the body. This led to a 30-year career as a mum and a registered nurse. As a nurse, she discovered that she had a gift with her voice. She could sit with a patient, tell a story, and through the power of suggestion, be more effective for pain control than a pill. She also witnessed an interesting phenomenon with human behavior and with the power of the mind, which we talk about here. She has seen patients with the will to live and the patients with the will to die, and this led to the study of hypnosis and opening her own office in 2012. She is seen in many areas of her practice, including weight loss, addictions of all kinds, bedwetting, test anxiety, infertility, and pain management. In 2015, she was diagnosed with MS related to Lyme disease. She has been using the skills of self-hypnosis to heal herself in daily improvements. Jenny Lynn is dynamic, loving, encouraging, and daily manifesting success. I've worked with her. I've worked with her for personal issues as well as professional things as well. We, I actually began working my practice with her in the same office, and so... She's been a help to me, and I thought, you know, I would like to get her opinion on some of these things, and here is her opinion of those things, so I hope you enjoy. And one thing that that I'm doing right now with addiction, and I am implementing nutrition and amino acid therapy, so I'm, anyway, so that's something that I'm going to be adding and adding and then I'm also right in the middle of um I'm working with fertility clients and having a lot of sex success with getting babies here. <laughs> so I I'm keep thinking that I the time will come that I will only be working with fertility. But I'm not there yet. I'm just at the beginning stages of that. But that's something that I'm going to bring out to. So it's what I'm doing with the MS, what I'm doing with the addictions, and then with my fertility. So anyway, wherever that fits in. Actually, that's, since I'm already recording, why don't we talk about that a little bit, the fertility. Um, Did you get, uh, I know that a lady trains uh, Lindsay Eastburn or somebody. Um huh? I know she trains. Did you get like a training from her or you just. So I have been in contact with Lindsay and I've read her book and I did have a small training with her at a convention that was just like a, it was just about a three hour class. It wasn't her full 12 week course. Um, But in studying her, I have been able to implement her methods into my own and then using my own intuition 
and my own knowledge and with my with my nursing knowledge that I have, I understand the workings of the female body and the and the, with the infertility issues, how what it takes to line up to her body to carry that baby and to become pregnant. And so I've been able to blend those in to creating my own scripts and following so I'm following Lindsay in in her method but not exactly. So we have a lot in common and I studied her her books and her teachings. And then bringing my own my own knowledge and my own background into it and working with mothers and babies and and what is needed for the body to prepare and be ready to have a baby. And now that I'm adding nutrition and amino acid therapy into my practice, it even is having a more profound effect on on clients and we're getting results and we don't have to be on an emotional roller coaster so that's really exciting and that is something that i'm feeling very strongly about and very passionate about because i love helping people and helping in the area of fertility is amazing to me and the spiritual connection that occurs with these baby spirits that are so anxious and want their mommies to to be healthy and prepared to bring them to full term into this life. So that's something that I am developing a strong passion for and can see the time when I'll be so busy in, with my hypnosis with fertility that that's all I will have time for as I hone in those skills and build a, a larger clientele and it will something that's going to take on a life of its own, I believe. <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of, well, especially here in Utah, uh, a lot of people are having that, those problems. I, I personally think that it's partly to the stress that we're going through at this time with the younger generation like myself, because we have friends that have had a hard time and my wife's had a uh, mission companion where she's had a really hard time and then all of a sudden she I think she like got less stressed and then she has a pair of t a set of twins so Hello. <laughs> stress is the first thing that I work on with the client for fertility is we is handling that stress and what are the past traumas and so the first session is, is a really long session of just getting everything out and really learning about that pain, that person and what their trials are, what their struggles are, what their goals are, and moving into a place of support for that. But stress management is where it starts, absolutely. Yeah, well, that's pretty much with anything, really, right? Correct. So, yeah. I'm glad you got into that. 
I've been I yeah, maybe later I'll get some contact information from you for Lindsay because I've been trying to contact her via email. Never had any chances. I mean, uh, opportunities for that, but maybe I'm just doing it the wrong way. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, I have I I have her not her personal information, but for her office assistant is who my conversations have been with. Okay. Yeah, I might have to get that information from you later. So, since we're on that uh, um, on that subject, like you, you did talk about, like you want hypnosis is there for you to help people. Um, is is that partly why you started in hypnosis? What's your story there? So, as a, so I became a nurse as and. Gosh, I graduated from high school and went right into nursing school. So I started as a registered nurse at 20 years old. And I jumped right into nursing. I started my career as a nurse at Primary Children's. And then from there, kind of interesting how I went from there into med surge and the hospital setting. And it seemed that with every baby that I had, I have six children, I had to transform my work schedule and move closer to home or move to part-time or to night. So I was just always working in between keep, keeping a family and children and all that, that goes with carrying that ball. But I found that most recently, so the last 10 years, I have been working hospice nursing. And I, as a nurse, I found that I could help somebody with the power of my voice and with visualization, sometimes more effective than a pain pill. And then I had an opportunity to take a Oh, it started out with just a little one-hour course on hypnosis and nursing, and I was fascinated. And so then I took a whole course and became certified, and I found that I loved it. And so then I opened a practice and was doing that on the side along with my nursing, and I found that hypnosis was so effective for pain, and that's really where I started. And I would also watch, I would watch patients that would come into the hospital and they would have no reason to die and would think that they were going to be fine and then they would die very unexpectedly, at least to us. But they also would have, if they had a death wish at all, meaning if they were really depressed or if they were, oh, I'm just going to die. They would, and <laughs> they could will themselves to die. Even if they were healthy, they could just, they could will themselves to die. And one, one experience with, this wasn't my personal experience, my, it's something that, anyway, that I, that I learned, that there was a gentleman that had been diagnosed with cancer, and it was, he was very healthy. He looked cancer. I mean, he looked very healthy. And he was about 50, 55 years old. And he had some depression issues, but they, you didn't see those on the surface. 
So he goes to the doctor. He's diagnosed with, I think it was prostate cancer. And the doctor said, oh, my goodness, this has really progressed. And you're going to, you know, you're only going to have about six months to live. You've got to do something about this. And this man went home. This was in November. A month later, he comes back into the doctor, and the doctor called him and said, hey, you need to come in because we we got some more test results, and we need to go over these. So he comes in, and the man was emancipated. He looked like he'd lost probably 50 pounds just within a five, six-week period. And the, what the news the doctor had for him was that the test results that they, he was originally given were for someone else. That doesn't happen very often, but he was given the wrong information. So because he believed he was dying, he created that in his mind. And and then when he went back to the doctor and the doctor was going to tell him, hey, you're a really healthy guy and, and we're sorry about this, the man was so emancipated that he did he had he had more problems and he did eventually die shortly thereafter. But that was a real eye opener to the power of the mind. And then I would watch people come in. I remember one patient that she had she had it was an accidental gunshot wound to her gut. And this woman we thought she was gonna die and she did several times. But she we revived her, she'd come back, we and and that woman had such a strong will to live, she walked out of that hospital. And she was doing very, very well when she walked out. And that was amazing. Like, wow. So all of those experiences of life just helped me to recognize the power of the mind. And when, and that led so nicely into hypnosis that, and the more I learned about the power of the mind and how we control our own thoughts and we we really get to be in control of the outcome to some degree, at least to how it affects us. That's what we're in charge of. It was amazing. So in 2012, I was in my, started my own office, had a great success with that. Um, mostly when I started, I was just working with weight loss and smoking, um, kind of the bread and butter things that you hear about that hypnosis is good at, test anxieties, bed budding, some of those those things. Um, I know when a client comes to me and they say, can you help with that? I know that I can because whatever it is, the, the, we work with it the same. The process is the same. And so we can take whatever that, that client is dealing with and struggling with and we can harness the power of their mind to correct their self-talk, create a new picture in their mind to create the outcome that they desire. Which is really interesting to me. Yeah, and kind of with, uh, to go along the lines of uh, the, the will to live and the will to die, uh, it's also... We have a we have a, a, a my uncle in my family he he has the opportunity to move his body because at this point he can't move his one arm 
And my grandpa, he had surgery on his shoulder. It was about the same thing, and he pretty much said 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 it, uh, Bud, um, you have more chance of moving your arm than I do. And guess who's the one who's actually moving their arm and making sure that stuff happens? My grandpa, because he has to. He he has that desire, one, and two, he has that need that he has to have his, his body. So yeah, that it goes to show anywhere, not just in death and life. Right. So, so you talk, let's, let's talk about like what you're specialized in. Like you, you already talked a little bit about infertility. Um, is there anything else that you, well, currently that you do or that you've done before your niche more or less? Yeah, kind of my niche is with, well, for one, for the, for the fertility and for so for fertility issues, but then with addiction and post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD is something that I have dealt with in my life personally. My father was a vet, and I watched. He still has some issues with PTSD, and he's 80, 88, 89 years old. And it's interesting how for him it's come out in the last 10 years. So as a child growing up, he, it was pretty severe PTSD symptoms and just from the Korean War. But so that, all of that led into really wanting to understand post-traumatic stress disorder and how to relieve that. And I've found that hypnosis is the most effective way and can, and can be really easy to help reprogram and reframe that PTSD. So when I hear a client that comes that says, well, I, I suffer from PTSD because of blank, 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 or maybe they don't even know why they have PTSD and why loud noises scare them or whatever their symptoms are, we can follow that back. And I have found that kind of my niche and what I do work a little differently is that when I'm doing, and we refer to it as, as past regression and past life regression and looking at what the past history is, is that there are symptoms, there are ways to uncover what we're looking for without having to go back and revisit all of the, we don't have to relive the event because I, so I found that I, you know, using a waking hypnotic process, it's very easy that we can uncover the core beliefs, their, all their emotions behind that, the coping mechanisms that they've chosen, their thinking patterns that are related to that. And when we do that in a waking process, it's much quicker and easier, and I'm, we're able to get results very quickly. What used to take, I used to do like four to five, six, sometimes six sessions, with someone with PTSD and trauma therapy, what used to take, yeah, four to six sessions to really come to peace and resolution, we can accomplish in one to two really long sessions. <laughs> Sometimes it's one really long session, and then we just do some cleanup so that 
they're feeling really good and they can move forward. They can be so easy and done with grace and ease. And that is something that I have really loved and that I found that differentiates me from a lot of hypnotherapists and what they're doing. Well, yeah, if um, a lot of the times we should be able to get that uh, addiction gone or even with PTSD gone in one session. So I, I love right. that. And what I wanted to ask a question with the regression, um, does it go back to the actual event that happened to them to where it starts or does it go to like beforehand with uh, the initial sensitizing events from one to seven? Uh, what happens with that you know, regression? What I'm, what I'm looking for in that regression is I am looking for the foundation. I am looking for the root cause. And so there's lots of symptoms, but I want to go to the very beginning. And what is that root cause? And that root cause really um, it's that childhood experience where from, and I'm finding that even regressions into the womb with an individual where they can, they can feel like, wow, the emotions that have been and their thoughts and the belief systems as early as two months old in conception in the womb, the mind is beginning to hear and hearing, the sense hearing is the first physical sense that is developed as that little embryo is growing, and with that hearing, that little embryo begins to take on belief systems, and of course, they're rarely accurate belief systems. <laughs> so we get to, it's just interesting, and then how we build our life based according to our belief system, and not whether that belief system is correct or not. It doesn't seem to be that till we become adults and we start working through our childhood traumas that we realize that, oh my goodness, I'm 40 years old and I'm reacting in this situation as if I'm a two-year-old with this temper tantrum. What is this about? <laughs> anyway, then we get to connect the dots. Yeah, temper tantrums and kids are not that cute. They're just right. They're they're just they're just not cute either in adults. Right. But yeah. Um. Let's see here. You gotta go through. You know, one the same one thought that comes in my mind. The biggest challenges, like the biggest challenge that I face with clients is when they come to me and they expect me to do all the work and they just think that it's going to be as easy as taking a pill and I am going to just fix their mind and I can do that and they'll feel good for about 72 hours but then they revert back to their behaviors. And so when, when I'm working with the client, I'm looking for transformation. And I want them to really move forward and to take accountability and, 
And I'm not in charge of if they do that or not. They get to do, you know, they're in charge of that. But if they're in the mindset that, oh, I'm just here, or I'm here because my wife feels like I need to be here to be <laughs> Yeah, it's then not going to work. Problem, and it doesn't work. And it's hard for them to, sure, I'll take, I'll take your money, and we'll have a really nice, relaxing session, and you'll feel really good for a day. <laughs> but you're wasting your time. <laughs> Not just their time, it's wasting your time, because we, you yeah, can saw a client that actually wants some change, and so, what, what was the point of that, so. Yeah, so that's my biggest frustration. And I'm learning, I'm learning to say no to clients, but when I sense that that's what they're looking for is a quick fix, then I just let them know that, hey, I'm really not your answer. Mm-hmm. Come back when you're really ready. Yeah. And that's been a hard lesson for me to learn, but I'm finding that that is, that's effective because then when they do call me back, and they really want to change for themselves, then we can make a difference. And they respect me for not wasting their time and taking their money. Yeah, because you, you charge for the service because you're worth that much, but they're just going to waste their time and money. They're, you might as well give it back. Right. So, um, you kind of wanted to talk about um, MS and how he used self-hypnosis to overcome it. Why don't you talk a little bit about that journey as well? So, in 2015, and it was January 1st of 2015, which was that date, I fell as New Year's Eve and we're leaving my father's home and I fall down the stairs. And that was really odd for me to, to fall like that because I've been an athlete. I was running every day or swimming. I was so active. I was kind of like the Energizer Bunny. And so the, to fall, it was a big shot. And within 10 days, probably 10, two weeks out, I had fallen multiple times and I just kind of walk without holding on to a wall or something. And in the past, I had experienced alignment issues, so I was always seeing a chiropractor about once a month to help get me, keep me straight and walking. And it was interesting, I went into my chiropractor, which he was, I was seeing a different chiropractor, first time seeing him. And his specialty was neurology, and he looked at me and he said, now I want you to march in place, so I could march, I could march in place, and he said, now I want you to close your eyes and march in place, and I closed my eyes, and I lost all feeling and awareness from the waist down, and I fell over, and that was the real wake up that, oh my goodness, we have bigger problems going on here. And it's interesting to me that being a nurse for so long and working with patients with MS and seeing, knowing the symptoms of MS and the, I was oblivious to my own symptoms. So when I was diagnosed, I really went from 
And within probably a two to three month period, I went through some episodes where I lost my ability to walk. Um, I was in bed. I lost a lot of neurological function. I lost my some of my speech became very, very slow, very difficult to process. My I've been a piano player since I was five, and I sat down to play the piano one morning, and I could not make my my fingers and the notes connect. So that was really scary for me. And I remember laying in my bed and thinking, I had the thought, now I could stay in this bed, and I know that people would take care of me, and I would be loved, and I could just stay in this bed. Or I can get up, and because I was a hypnotherapist, because I was studying the, the mind and the plasticity and neuroplasticity of the mind and the cutting-edge research that was happening there, I was aware that, that the thoughts that I tell myself matter and that every word matters. And I knew that I could have a different outcome, that I didn't have to end up in a bed or in a nursing home with MS like so many, like I had seen so many of my patients because I was taking care of them at the end stages of life, especially with hospice. And so I knew I was a choice. So I got myself out of bed and I started crawling. And I, a couple of days, I, all I could do was crawl, and I crawled my, and pulled myself up to my piano bench and forced myself to relearn to play the piano. I pulled out my, my kids' beginning piano books, and I started with, okay, this is a scale, and running my fingers on the scale. And the muscle memory came back very quickly, and that was the very best thing I could have done at that time in reestablishing muscle memory and the connections and music in the beginning stages of MS, music was so big and beneficial to me. And then I also used, because I was a hypnotherapist, I knew other hypnotherapists, and I called a, a good friend and, and said, can you help me? And he did, and he helped me for about six months. I was seeing him once a week, and we worked on, we went back to why, why is it that my brain and my body chose to create and experience this feeling of MS. And that was really interesting to uncover those, those secrets within me, experiences that I had forgotten and put the pieces together. And then as I could see that, oh my goodness, I really did create this in my body through my own thinking patterns and desire to die, essentially, but it wasn't okay to die at once, I was, so it, I was going to just take on this MS, and, and in that, it was also empowering that now I can change it, so where I'm at now is that I, for, there's about a year that I was not able to drive, and through using hypnosis, using the expertise of other hypnotherapists, because sometimes we can only do so much for ourselves, and we need somebody else to help us take the blinders off. And so I took advantage of all of my resources, and I also took advantage of the medical field because there is a lot of good in Western medicine, and I knew that I would need a combination of both. So I have a whole team of doctors 
and I have the unique opportunity of not only having and experiencing MS, but also experiencing Lyme disease, which Lyme disease was what the was the factor that set the foundation for the creation of MS. And they kind of they kind of go together in my body. It's been really interesting, and I've now um, let's see, I'm almost five years past that, and the the Lyme disease is in remission. And the MS is effectively in remission. And I was diagnosed with primary progressive MS. And one thing when, so I knew that on an MRI, I knew what a healthy MRI of the brain was supposed to look like. And when my neurologist showed me and was reviewing the MRIs of my brain, um, about there were lesions all over, like all the report just said too many to count, and all they could count was the number of masses on my brain, which was about five, five different masses on my brain, and which was really interesting to me, that <laughs> all I could do, I couldn't take ownership of that, and I looked at that, and I said, wow, wow, that person, that person must be really sick, because, um, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> and I couldn't take ownership. And even when I speak about MS, I speak about a diagnosis of MS, that it's, it's not something that I, I get to experience the symptoms of MS. And I'm not taking ownership of that. That's been a very critical, critical piece for me, is that I look at it like it's a third object. So not, and then, so not really no, identifying with it, right? So, for example, uh, when you go to an AA meeting, they say, I'm an alcoholic, and they're going to be an alcoholic for life. But rather, you're, in a sense, you're saying, I'm an ex-alcoholic. It's not a part of me anymore, right? Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I refuse to take ownership in, in the disease process. Now, and when I say that, I recognize that, okay, yes, my body is dealing with this, and I do have certain steps and things and doctors that I need to listen to to get better, but I put together a wellness plan, and, you know, when people hear that I have MS and that I'm experiencing MS, so they would, especially if they haven't seen me for a while, because my community knows me as being a very active active person in the community, a runner, a, a, a swimmer, a PTA president lady, craziness, you know, very busy, active, sharp, and then now I'm not. <laughs> I, I don't identify with those things anymore. And so they, they would come up to me and they would just be all about pity and, oh, I'm so sorry, and all that, wanted, all that made me want to do was vomit. <laughs> no, I don't want your pity. <laughs> sure, this is my deal. This is my life. And I'm working through all this stuff. So I had to reframe MS. So I, every time I made a list of what does MS mean to me. And so an MS to me really means manifesting success. So I get to manifest success in everything that I do. 
And so when somebody comes up to me now and says, oh, I'm so sorry, I heard that you have MS, and how are you doing? I say, I am doing great. And all MS is to me is that I could manifest success. And then it changes our conversation immediately. And it's been, that has been a huge breakthrough for me. And just reframing that, and we, we even had, about two weeks ago, I was involved with the MS Walkathon and, and raising funds, and so we, my team of about, oh, about 50, we, we all got these t-shirts that are just, they just say manifesting success, and they have a, they're just really nice t-shirts, because that's what MS is to me, is manifesting success. And we all have something in our life. We all have hard things. This just happens to be something that is very visual to people. And when I'm walking and I'm using a cane, that you notice that. <laughs> and so it's, so we all have hard stuff. So when we can find a way to reframe our story and whatever is going on into a positive, then when every word that we speak and every time that we think of that disease process or how we're feeling or that ache, we can reframe it into, wow, wow, my gosh, my body's really achy today. I Today is a manifest success day, <laughs> and I get out of bed, <laughs> and it keeps me going, and it also is why I'm doing so well and expect to the, in 10 years not even to experience any symptoms related to MS. It will just be like a speed bump and a memory in my life. Yeah, I like the fact that you say that I make it, you make a choice to get up. Um, in the last episode, one of the last episodes, I talked about uh, happiness and everything really is a choice. And the choices that you make uh, manifest in your life in different ways. Um thank you for this conversation and uh what other this will be the last question what how can people reach you and what events do you have going on so i do have a website it is imagine your life dot biz so b-i-c imagine your life dot biz you can call me at four three five Two three seven seven four two four. Again, that's four three five two three seven seven four two four. And the easiest way to contact me is to do a Google search and just Google Jenny Lynn McKinnon hypnosis. Or I live in Brigham City, so if you were to tag Brigham City hypnosis, I will. I will be one of the first people to come up. Um, there's several of us. And then you can also go to my website, and I've got pictures there and more testimonials, and it will give you a strong feeling for who I am, what I do, how I work, and the success that we can experience together. Yeah. Taylor, thank you so much for your time today. No, thank you. This this has been awesome because uh, there's a lot of information that you just gave that 
a lot of people need to hear because they sometimes you just don't hear these like special stories that you've went through MS and you you're doing for infertility. It's like some some things you just wish that everybody else would know. So that that's partly why I wanted to do this get get you out there and uh, get the information out there because more or less the the point of this podcast is to inform and educate uh, the general public as well as other people who are looking probably looking for some help here because as you know we're probably the last uh, resource that someone uses I do like the fact that you pointed out that western medicine uh, is good and that some hypnotists and some uh, alternative health practitioners uh, are like doctors are all evil they you should never use them like you should do this no when God has given us these great gifts of medicine and and all these other things with Western and Eastern and whatever medicine you use it's like you need to use all the pots of the pine if we are the last resource whatever but maybe it was maybe the other things just don't work because that's not for them. You know, and I find that I work best in conjunction with a doctor and with, with especially with infertility mm-hmm. when we're when we're needing to do in vitro fertilization, there's a time for that. And it does work. And I become an important piece in helping the body to prepare to accept that IVF transfer, but it wouldn't, for some people, it wouldn't be possible without, without the doctor, <laughs> and there's, there's a time and a place for Western medicine, and that's a really important to keep that balance, and that's just, because I've seen Western medicine work, work miracles, just like I've watched hypnosis work miracles, and I found that they work best when we combine the best of both worlds. Yeah, exactly. Well, Jenny Lynn, uh, thank you again. Again, this is session number six of the Achilles Hypnosis Podcast with Jenny Lynn McKinnon. This interview was quite a great thing for us, and I love the fact that she went through uh, stress is one of the biggest factors in infertility because if we all would just figure out how to cope with stress, like excessive stress, because stress in the body is just going to happen no matter what you do. We need to learn how to cope with it. That's the big thing. And so again, thank you for listening to this podcast, and I hope to see you next week. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so that you can keep up to date, and give us a review, five stars hopefully, but your honest opinion matters more to me. So I hope to hear from you soon, and see you later.